Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion, I am joined by Andy Harrow. Hi, Craig. Hi, how's it going? Good, thanks. And by Gary Cocker. Good evening, fellas. <laughs> ah, good evening, Gary. You've got a bit more years than Andy did. <laughs> Always <laughs> very low-key as Andy. I, I had time to prepare. That's the thing, you just you hit Andy with that out of nowhere. It's yeah. difficult to know. And also, I'm yeah, I'm just deeply aware of making any sort of movement. So the the more sort of bland I can be, the better. It means I'm not moving about at all, making too much extraneous noise, <laughs> yeah. which is obviously going to go really well for the podcast. For, and, uh, for some reason, whenever yeah. Andy moves an inch, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like he's in the process of moving house. <laughs> Uh, right, so we're here as uh, the boys were uh, last Thursday to take th- go through another three Terrace podcast awards from last season that we didn't get to because of one thing or another. And on this episode, the awards we're going to look at in particular are the Andy Dorman Award for Best Player in the Bottom Six for the 2019-20 season. And then we'll move on to discussing the most disappointing team from last year's top flight. And then we will finish things off by looking at the <laughs> by looking at the <laughs> covering the discovery of the year. Uh, which is the kind of uh, the young player that kind of came out of uh, nowhere to, to kind of have the best season. So uh, we'll start with the one that's got the, the, certainly the most uh, players uh, in contention because we've got a long list here and our long list is fairly long so we want to kind of whittle this down to four and then pick a winner for there he says as he's trying to bide time by scrambling through his phone to find the list I've got it now (laughs) so will we just start randomly chucking players out or will we go through the long list and then I have one to immediately chuck out but let's go through the long list yeah let's go through the long list yeah Right, so the long list is three players from Hibs. That's Christian Dodge, Martin Boyle and Scott Allen. From Ross County, we have Ross Stewart and Billy Mackay. From Kilmarnock, we have Chris Burke. Uh, from St Men, we have Sam Foley and Vladislav Hladke. And from relegated, or sorry, demoted heart, we have Michael Smith. Now, the guys talked quite a lot about Michael Smith last week. Uh, I think... Despite so we won't talk about his versatility, but I think despite the fact that uh, Hearts were as dreadful as they were, I think Michael Smith was still a pretty solid performer for a lot of the season. Did 
typically have many bad games despite playing on a bad team. And uh, he also had some outstanding performances as well. So I think he's a worthy um, contender. Whether he gets into the top four, I don't think so. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You cannot have <laughs> a player from relegated part of Midlothian winning an award for the best player in the bottom six. I, I don't disagree that he he had decent games, but I don't know how much of that was because of the stark comparison with his, uh, I was going to say compatriots, not really his compatriots, but his colleagues who... Uh, spectacularly shat the bed and uh, ended up bottom when things came to a halt. Some of his so good Patriots, to be fair. Some of them were, yeah. Uh, Liam um, Boyce and uh, Connor Washington, especially Connor Washington, not living up to expectations. Liam Boyce probably not living up to expectations after his initial one game. So, no, for me, I think, uh, given the, the quality that we have elsewhere on the list, although Michael Smith was a relatively consistent player, uh, if you can say that about anyone at Hearts last season, I can't. I can't really back him being on our, our short list there. Andy, anything to add to that? Uh, no, no, I agree fully with Gary. You can't put somebody who got relegated in the in the top four. No chance. Okay, so we're bidding off Michael Smith right away. <laughs> nice right. try, though. Yeah. <laughs> is, is everybody else going to put forward a player to bin off? Um... Uh, Are we no, no, no. This? I'll tell you what, no, I'll tell you what, can you make a case for Sam Foley? Because uh, frankly, I can't, but uh, I'm, I'm, open to, uh, I'm open to suggestions. I think Sam Foley was very good for pretty much the entire season last year. He was one, one of the kind of signings that really kind of stood out at the start uh, when they were kind of, he was, I think he was one of the, I'm fairly certain he was one of like five players signed. Yeah, like the week before the season started against Hibs, but he was he was like one of the few that really kind of got praise right away for his performances, and they just continued throughout the season. Uh, just a very dependable uh, player in front of the back four, uh, good good defensively, good enough with the ball at his feet, so that it's you know it's not exactly wondrous with the ball at his feet but he's good enough to get by and uh, he's just a, an absolutely solid addition uh, struck up a really good partnership with Ryan Flynn and then even towards the end of the season when Flynn had to move out his performances were, were still pretty strong yeah. uh, whether he's whether he's better than some of these attacking players uh, we could we could pick instead yeah I'm not I'm not too yeah. sure well, that, I suppose that's the problem you've got uh, with with people maybe in his position, and maybe Michael Smith kind of suffers from this a wee bit as well. That the uh, you know the showy positions where you're either stopping, you're very obviously stopping goals going in, or you're you're scoring goals, you're creating goals. Um, you know they're the flashier things that you're maybe more aware of. And I suppose the thing is, from from Foley's point of view, how much of a difference did he did he make to where St Mirren finished in the end of the season? Um, obviously contributed to it but you know how much did he carry that team on his back if you're, if you're going to put him in the top four I would say there's there's an element of it where there's there's a lot of, of weight that you have to carry um, uh, and that would maybe be the question for him and, and I think the other thing is that I know that we've got three Hibs players on the long list this maybe doesn't quite work out this way but if we've also got Vaclav Hladky on the long list the question for me is who is more valuable to St Mirren? Yeah, but that's a different award, Gary. 
I know it's a different award, <laughs> but if we're talking about the best, you know, best player in the bottom six, mm-hmm. I would argue that if if you ask St. Byrne fans who who was better for you last season, was it Foley or was it Hladke? Uh Nine out of ten would go for Hladke. I don't know who the one out of ten is that would pick Foley, the uh, sort of contrary person that you might come across in the pub. But um, no, I don't think you can really justifiably have both of them in the final four. So that then makes me think, well, which one could you put in the final four? And for me, it would have to be Hladke. Okay, let's say... Uh, I think for... Sorry, go on. Sorry for that. You know, I was just going to say, I think uh, you had uh, some question marks over whether we should include Hladke at all, but... Um, if I can, if I can possibly make the case for him, and then you guys can kind of decide from from there. Uh, I mean, I think he, he he probably wasn't as showy last season as he was the the year before. Um, uh, it was maybe it wasn't quite so obvious. A lot of the saves he made were, were you know, if you go through it in my scout, they're they're kind of perfunctory a lot of them. But he he had uh, ten clean sheets over the season. Uh, he had that kind of rotating cast of characters in defence for for a lot of it. Certainly the first half of the season. Um, Calm Waters, Paul McGinn, Kurt Broadfoot for a period of time, um, and I think it was defensively improving. Conor McCarthy and uh, Fumio came in, but even so, that's not a you know that's not a brilliant defence on paper, and they conceded almost twenty goals less than County uh, and nine less than Hamilton. Uh, and I mean they finished ninth, and only scored twenty four goals in the season so you know, like, even though even though he maybe wasn't quite as flashy he was uh, you know didn't make many mistakes very dependable kind of able to, to organise the defence so I think yeah for me he's a he's a stronger candidate even even on a, a maybe a less special season for him uh, he's a stronger candidate than, than Foley for me for that top four Okay, so we'll consider Hladke. Um, one thing I would say about his goal scoring record, Samirn were a very well organised team throughout the, this, the season and they did get very kind of very strong kind of centre-half play, even despite the fact they kind of had to change their centre-halves halfway through the campaign because the, the, I think the, the deals for them both ran out or one of them was a cold or, or something like that. Um, so he, he, did have, he did have a bit more help in front of him. Uh, however, uh, what I would say is that perhaps he was a reason for that. Perhaps central defence, central defensive partnership, both uh, kind of thrown together uh, quite quickly, worked very well. Perhaps they were able to do that because they had a, a good goalkeeper behind them and somebody who helped talk them through games. So maybe he does deserve some of the credit for that. So he's he's a maybe. Uh, I think this guy, next guy, should be a definite. Uh, Chris Park, uh, I think he really deserves a place in the top floor. He's just... I mean, what he's doing at his age is just kind of outrageous. Like the goal scoring, creating goals, just generally being excellent, running up and down the right wing, doing a lot of defensive work. Uh, somebody who, unless he's trying something like like trying to you know play a through ball or play a cross or shooting, very rarely gives the ball away. A very intelligent player, obviously experienced, and undoubtedly, I think Kelly's standout man last campaign in a team that. We'll get on to talking about Kelly later. Not a great season for them, considering the expectations going in. But they still finished eighth, I think it was. And, I mean, over the history of Kelly in the top flight Scottish football, not terrible. And Burke, I think, was a a big reason why the points at least kind of... Well, they were in the top six to start with and then kind of maybe even might have fancied their chances at the end of putting together a wee run and, and sneaking in. Um, but... Yeah, he certainly had a great campaign. 
Yeah, and I think what's important is what you mentioned there about the fact that despite the fact he's getting older, I think a lot of older players you either see becoming a lot more limited and therefore sticking to what they're good at and then maybe not contributing elsewhere or still trying to do all of the things that they used to be able to do and therefore not actually uh, delivering on what the team is expecting of them. Whereas Chris Burke, you would not, you know, you wouldn't think that he was as much of a veteran as he is. Um, and I think that this season, this season, he's obviously he started quite strongly again, but I think um, there's some thought being given to, you know, how much, you know, can you realistically give him 90 minutes every week? But on the basis of what he's done so far, I think he could probably still deliver that this season for a good part of it. So, um, no, for me, I think he's one that would have to be in the, the final four, certainly over Michael Smith. Andy, do you make it an, an, Andy, do you make it unanimous that Chris Burke is going in the final four? Yeah, I think you've got to. Uh, I, I think also, I mean, you've got to take note of how good the set pieces are. I mean, almost all the kind of goals that he did set up last season were from corners or free kicks, but just... You know, it's just so consistent. Even when he's crossing, you know, that's you know, a lot of wingers in Scotland. That's their their downfalls that they're fine up to the point they get to the byline and then can't deliver a good cross. But but Burke's so good at it. Um, you know, he had the, the game against Queens Park. Did he not? So not all six goals he assisted. Um, yes, I believe. And so. most and most of them were set pieces as well. So having somebody of that ability um, on top of the fact that, as you say, so. Um, Experienced, he's still able to kind of beat a man down the flank. Um, he's it just adds so much to the team. Yeah, I think you've I think you've got to include them. Right, I'm going to skip skip beyond the Ross County boys, and I'm going to go straight to the Hibs three. Because do we really want three Hibs players in the final four? No, you don't. I, I uh, two might be fine. I, I've definitely got. A, I've got one favourite, and then the other two, I, um, I've not got a strong opinion on. To be honest. Okay, Gandhi, give us your one favourite then. Uh, so Christian Doyle would be, would be my would be my favourite, which I wouldn't have said. Um, sort of September, August, September, October of last year, and, and probably not even November either. Um, but he uh, he ended up behind only Edward Morelos and Defoe in terms of top scorers in the league um, weighed in in the, the Cups as well um, 12 goals overall and he became sort of over you know once he got his first goal against St Johnson he ended up scoring a hat-trick that was the Mr. the Mr. Goals game wasn't it Duncan was commentating on mm-hmm. um, once he got that uh, it was the hat-trick boy that was it yeah hat-trick boy that was it uh, Mr. Goals is somebody else isn't it that's uh, McGuigan Um but uh, yeah, once he, once he got that and kind of got underway, you just kind of saw that confidence coming back. Um, you know, by the end of the season, he had that kind of lovely flick finish against Livingston. Um, he was scoring goals with his head, he was scoring goals with, um, with both feet, and he just looked, uh, you know, he surpassed Camberry. He, he was the kind of focal point of that team at the end. And I think, you know, going into this season, he was obviously one of the kind of the main strikers in the league, and one of the people you, you think you could probably hang your hat on to get maybe ten goals at least this season. So, yeah, he um, had a very slow start, but I think looking at it, you know, partly that's probably due to Heckenbottom and how how Hibs in general were playing in that first first few months, but. Um, but also a confidence thing, you know, I've been a striker so much to do with confidence and I think he was the one that, um, he was a real bright spot, I think for me, I think Boyle and Alan had their, their moments, but kind of from November on, he was the most consistent performer for me over that uh, kind of 
second half of the campaign. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick up for his performance in the, the first few months because even though he didn't score, I, I still thought he was playing reasonably well, and I thought he was getting too hard a time for Hibs fans because you could see that he was very good at holding up the ball, very selfless player, somebody who's making intelligent runs in behind. He was getting in great chances to score, he just couldn't get in the back of the net. And I did always think it was going to come good for him, and thankfully for him, it did. And so I think, even though you can say, well, he didn't really get going for a lot of the season, I, th- I still think he, he played pretty well. And if he just kind of, instead of laying it out like it did, if his goals, just take like a couple of goals from like January and February or something, put them in August and September. And I don't think anybody's really saying that he was that bad to begin with. He just kind of didn't quite have the, the luck that uh, was came from later in the campaign and he did get lucky with some of them like it's, it's a Christian Dodge goal when he somehow misses from like or not somehow nearly misses from like three yards but it somehow goes in anyway <laughs> I think the only person they wouldn't want him there could be Paul Heckenbottom who must have been so frustrated uh, having a look at the Hibs results every week after he's left just to see Dodge, Dodge, Dodge popping up <laughs> um, no I, I think as I think both you and Andy have already said what makes him for me the leading candidate from Hibs is, and I know that this isn't most valuable player, but it's his contribution mm-hmm. to Hibs. Um, not that Boyle Allen didn't contribute, but the fact is that you know, for a bottom six team, um, I know that Hibs were there on the result of as a result of the uh, formulation or whatever you call it. But for a bottom six team to bring in a striker who can give you, I think it was twelve league goals he got last season, is absolutely massive, and it's the difference between really struggling at the bottom and, you know, pushing up to top sticks and obviously hips have strengthened now. Um, but yeah, for me, he was a big part of um, the team that uh, Jack Ross was able to cobble together to get them to scramble away from the bottom. Right. So others. are we all unanimous on Dodge in the, in the four? Yep. Cool. So we've got Dodge, we've got Burke and we've still got four players to talk to and possibly Hadley for the other two positions. So this is this is now starting to get tough, right? So the two other Hibs players. Right, I'm only allowing you to pick one of them. So Gary, you go first. Who who you have out of Martin Boyle and Scott Allen? Oh, I mean the thing is they're both former Dundee players as well, so I can't even just give a really shitty reason for it. Um <laughs> Which is what I was immediately going to go towards. Um, for me, uh, go to Andy first. Before I know this over. <laughs> I can. This, this is like, a, like. Yeah, you can't ask me to choose between <laughs> these, but yeah, go to Andy. I'll I'll come back in. Andy. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Um, I. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it feels like when you you think about it. Boyle had maybe more of a more of the, the I don't know if the breakout season's right, but maybe got more of the headlines. I think is the um, towards the end of the season he scored uh, six goals in total and kind of got like five assists between sort of end of October and uh, March. And but that was the thing; his season was kind of stunted because he didn't start until till towards the end of October. Um, and then you know once he once he was back, he got um, got straight back into. It. Um, but you could you could make an argument that because he missed a kind of decent chunk of the season and because we didn't even finish the season, we only got up to March. He only really played about five months of the, of the campaign. He still managed to play 28 games, which I was quite surprised at. I thought it was going to be less yeah. than that and I was going to yeah. kind of discount him because of it. But 28 games is probably enough Yeah, in a shortened season so. as well. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, Alan, for me, maybe didn't have quite the um, quite the season I was hoping he had. I, I, I think he he wasn't bad, but I, I, and anyway, he had he had some standout moments. That kind of reverse pass against Rangers at Ibrox. He was uh, he was still double figures in goals and assists. Yeah, I, I, you have to count three League Cup goals for the <laughs> for the for the goals tally. I, 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 I know, I, and I don't know if you count a goal against Sterling, uh, but yeah, I uh, Sterling, Albrose, and Morton. <laughs> not the not the strongest competition, but I, you know, I, I think. I think, as I say, I, I don't think he was. I don't think he was quite as uh, much of a standout as he as he could have been. But I think, as you say, you know, he, he still managed to weigh in and have a kind of significant contribution. Um, and I think purely for the fact that he probably made it through more of the more of the campaign, um, if not too many more matches, um, I would maybe just edge towards Allen. But there wouldn't, wouldn't be much on it. Gary, right. you got you got an answer finally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am probably going to go the other way and I'm going to edge towards Boyle. And I think the, the reason I'm going to do that is that with hips, you know, Boyle is an absolutely massive outlet for them. Um, they're obviously Alan's uh, got his uses as well, but I feel like there's, you know, whether it's Horgan or others, I think there's other players that do something similar to what Scott Allen can do. Maybe not uh, the likes of the reverse pass against Rangers, but how many times do you do that season? Um, you'll do it a couple of times when it will be successful and come off. But for me, I think Boyle is the player that if if one of them had to have left Easter Road at the end of the season, I think Hibs fans would choose to keep Boyle and lose Allen. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that is probably enough to edge Boyle. That's not to say that Allen didn't have a good season last season, as yeah. Boyle did, albeit a more curtailed one. But yeah. Uh, just if, if I've got to toss a coin on something, then that's it's, what I'm it's tough. The coin. I'm, I'm going to yeah. go for I'm going to go for Boyle as well, and uh, my reason is because um, we didn't actually get any nominations for Alan. It was just Tony saying we should put Alan in. So <laughs> fuck off, Tony. <laughs> so it's Martin Boyle. Uh, well, we've not actually said he's definitely going to be in. So we'll talk through the the other uh, two players left. So it's both Ross County players: Ross Stewart, Billy McKay. Uh, Andy, I know you were uh, reading about Ross Stewart. Oh, sorry, you were uh, researching Ross Stewart. Yeah, so you were uh, talking wrong. to him for a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah, researching him for the wrong uh, section because he's too old. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, so I hadn't really seen Ross Stewart uh, before uh, before last season. I, I kind of knew that come up through Albion Rovers. Um, and then uh, you know, I spell in the championship I've done all right. But he's such a kind of big, gangly, awkward looking guy, you just think this you know, he's not he's not gonna do it in the the premiership. This looks like it might be a, a level too too far for him. But you know, straight from the straight from the off, he you know, he's scored he scored goals, scored seven over the course of the season. He lost a couple of months with a hamstring injury um, that kinda of knocked him out for for January and February, up to then was uh, an incredibly impressive performer. Um, you know, his heading ability was terrific. There was a, there was a goal against Hibs that um, he kind of headed in from maybe just past the penalty box, but it was all to do with how much power he was able to generate in the, the direction. It was all to do with him. Um, so, so that was a, a big strength. But you know, he, he did have an all right touch for a for a quite a tall, gangly guy. Um, and he 
it just seemed to fit that that Ross County team. It didn't really, um, and then, you know, maybe maybe we'd have uh, slowed down as the season went on. Um, but certainly over that that first spell, that first half of the season, I, I thought he was a really really impressive performer, um, and I think it's kind of shown as how how good a signing he, he is. And I think you'll you'll kind of see again going forward this season, like Gary was saying about Boyle, um, if you can use the. Um, a similar kind of thing between Boyle and Allen and, and Mackay and um, Ross Stewart. I'd imagine Ross County fans would be more keen to keep Stewart going forward than they would be Mackay if they had to had to make the choice. Aye, I think we can actually bin Mackay. F- <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Can you stop moving, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for can I buy you a new... f- that, that was the Andy binning Mackay. <laughs> Can I buy you a new chair as well? <laughs> it's so creepy. I know I've picked, picked literally the most noisy chair to sit on. <laughs> right. Um, I think we can bid off Mackay. Uh, I think he scored 11 goals across the, the campaign. Uh, four of those in the League Cup, two of them in a win against St. Johnson, so I think the, they should not be dismissed. But So even you, you take away goals against all the league teams, that's, that's nine in total in 40 games. He did score some very important goals, uh, helped keep County up, certainly played... Played quite well across across the campaign. Looked uh, kind of uh, something approaching uh, the old kind of uh, Billy Mackay for what I remembered for Inverness days. Uh, but still, I still don't think it's quite that impressive enough for a record to sneak in the top four. So I'm happy to bin him. Agreed. Right. So that just leaves us to argue between Stuart Boyle and Hadke for two positions. So I would, my vote would go for, it's hard because Stuart, I think Stuart was one of the most valuable players in the league last season uh, and he was certainly excellent for County, uh, whether he was playing up front or on the wing and that versatility was very handy for them as well. A lot of their kind of game plan goes through him. He did only play 26 games, putting Boyle in for 28, so maybe that shouldn't really count. But if you're, you know, talking about Hardcray, who I think would have made like, must have made like close to forty appearances over the over the entire season, if not more than that. Does it, does that deserve to give him an edge over a, a couple of attackers who really made their mark? This is this is tough. I, 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 I tell you what, because, sorry, Gary, on you go. I was just going to say that I think Hladke's contribution to St Mirren's survival is just as key as the contribution of others' goals because he's it's much more difficult to quantify it because all you can really point to is clean sheets rather than, you know, or maybe, you know, the odd crucial save in these matches. But I think that, um, you know, given that St Mirren survived by relatively by the skin of their teeth last season, um, I, th- I think he's got to be in there, uh, particularly given the uh, stats that Andy read out earlier, which showed just how much their pretty tight defence uh, made up for the fact that they maybe weren't firing on all cylinders up top. I, th- I think I think also on the basis of, of what the award is. I, for for me, this award's more about you know good players and fairly jobbing teams, and I, I feel like Hibs underperformed last season rather than were a bad team, um, and they had a couple, two or three good performers within an underperforming team. So for me, Pladkin and Stewart more typify the. The, the spirit of the award, if you want to go down that way, rather than I think I think having a Hibs player makes sense because they obviously had a better season than than those teams. But um, for me, I think one's probably fine, and the rest I would I would I would go with the 
uh, go with the guys that can. Okay, so so in in so to go for democracy, uh, it's well socialism really. Uh, we're, we're big fans of that on the show. Uh, we'll go for Deutsch, uh, Stuart, Burke, and Hardy. So that's one from each different team, right? So that's the four nominations. So let's quickly because we're we're running quite long already. <laughs> let's uh, let's just vote for who we think <laughs> won the award. Gary, your pick first. I am going to go with. Da, da, da. Uh, I'm going to go with Christian Deutsch um, because if we're talking about best player in the top uh, top six, God no, uh, best player in the bottom six, um, then I think that we're going to see him go from strength to strength next season. He had a brilliant season last season, at least one second bottom left. So, um, yeah, I think if we don't give it to Deutsch, we'll look silly in a few years' time. There's my wild shout, Deutsch. Uh, I'm going to go for Chris Burke uh, for consistency over the entire season. So, Andy, you have a deciding vote, unless you pick one of the other two, which we can fuck <laughs> off. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, a, maybe the showy one, but yeah, I'm going to go for Deutsch, I think. Um, I think he's the uh, my preferred choice of the two, but yeah. Uh, Congratulations, Christian Deutsch. That fellas. Deutsch guy. Oh, sorry, yeah. It's that fucking Deutsch guy. Right. Most disappointing team. So the nominees mm, this is are... Easy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, cover, we'll make our time back. This <laughs> one will be given out in half a second. Right, let me see if I can... Oh, I can't find him before, so let me see if I can remember he's off the top of my head. Right, the nominees are Hearts, obviously, Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, and Hibs. No, I think we did not fall down in Aberdeen. I thought we've. Uh, I thought we. It's going to be Aberdeen, Aberdeen or Rangers, but then so I was Hibs, like, Hearts, Hibs, Kelly, and Aberdeen. That was my list, which is obvious. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry, I just. It's <laughs> <laughs> listing in a totally different order. I mean, I take it by disappointing. We mean for their own fans rather than for the rest of us. It's no, it's for what you would expect them to do at the start of the season, and, and what they did not do. Yeah. So we, let's just get over with then. Hearts Midlothian Football Club. Yeah, but will you not? Could maybe play devil's advocate for this award and say we're not expecting them to struggle anyway. No. 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 <laughs> somebody on the terrace didn't pick them to finish like fucking 10th or something. I think it was Tom Watt. Uh, or it could I well mean, be Tony, uh, just uh, given his own uh, biases. <laughs> uh, but no, for me, given the... And I know it's such an obvious right. basic and, point and, and Gary, can I stop you now? Um, <laughs> b- before, you, before you talk about Hearts, because uh, I think we know they're going to win this award, uh, let's just briefly talk about the other three, first of all. So okay. uh, Aberdeen is maybe the kind of the most harshest one uh, because they did finish fourth and you mean we would expect them to finish top four. So they pretty much hit expectations. Disappointing thing for them is that they lost another kind of cup game they shouldn't have done, losing away to Hearts when they were leading going into injury time. And they, I mean, in terms of their performances in the league, to finish behind a Motherwell team that, yes, was was quite impressive how, how well Motherwell played across the, the course of last season. Probably the most surprising team uh, in terms of how well they did. But it wasn't like a great Motherwell. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a team that comes up and finishes third and it's like a kind of almost like a a juggernaut compared to the, the rest of the Diddies in the league. It was kind of a, a Marvel team that still had their stumbles themselves and still managed to finish above Aberdeen, a team with a, a much bigger budget than them. It was still a Motherwell team regularly playing Jermaine Hilton and Sherwin Sador. Yes. Um, as it wasn't with a Liam Grimshot right back. It wasn't without yeah. its flaws, put it that way. No, I, th- I think with Aberdeen, it's, it's this perennial thing and <laughs> we've certainly seen it uh, in the game against St. Johnson, um, which... Uh, 
was an absolute waste of one hour and 45 minutes of my life. But they are a team that I am constantly stunned somehow managed to finish where they do because when I watch them, it is eye-bleeding stuff. And the thought mm-hmm. of being, I mean, I've seen some shite in my time, but the thought of being an Aberdeen season ticket holder for the last couple of seasons where on paper they are achieving roughly what their fans would be looking for them to achieve, you know, decent cup runs, finishing high up the league. But just, it's just dreck. I, I don't have a thesaurus in front of me to have more words for it, but it's so dull. Yes, it is. Yeah. Andy, uh, talk us through Kelly's disappointing season. Uh, so, I suppose, I mean, the, the big... So, the funny thing, the funny thing going back to that was the so Alessio left in mid December. I didn't think they were that bad at that point. They, they, they kind of started what turned out to be a very long uh, run without a win, uh, which kind of went through December and January. I didn't think they were. I didn't think they were great, and, and I think part of the problem is they were up against. Um, you know, they're being compared to what Clark had achieved over the the previous couple of seasons. Um, they were they were pretty inconsistent. They were relying on Brophy, who wasn't always fit. Um, the defence was not as as good for large parts. Brunesi wasn't uh, wasn't great in goals. Um, they yeah they and and as I say they, they kind of went through that that dip when when Dyer came in. He was totally unable to arrest the slump for for a long period of time. Um, Eventually, you know, they started scoring. They didn't really stop conceding goals, but towards the end of the season, Brophy started scoring. Uh, Kabamba kind of helped him a wee bit in that regard. Um, and it, you, you mentioned earlier on, you know, they, they still finished eighth, which is a you know a decent season for Kilmarnock. But I think what you're doing is you're comparing it to what they had under Clark. And the the, the problem is that neither Alessio nor Dyer are anywhere near as good a manager as Clark. Plus, they had you know other factors that, that went against them. They didn't. I don't think had as, had as strong a squad last season as they, they maybe had under can, Clark. And a couple of folk like O'Donnell maybe took dips a wee bit as well. Can I make a case for Kelly above Hart? And that this was like the this was like a crossroads season for Kelly and what they could really be as a club. Like they, they were on such a high after Steve Clark. And it was a perfect opportunity to well, retaining a lot of the same team, and like a lot of kind of decent managers, kind of like interested in the position after after kind of Clark laid the laid the groundwork, and it was really kind of all set up for them to have another go at finishing in Europe, and they just royally fucked it up uh, by hiring Alessio, just a completely wrong appointment at the, the kind of worst time to make that as well. And to, to go out of Europe to a Welsh team when Kelly fans have waited so long for a European run, I mean, Hearts, Hearts were coming off a season where they, they weren't great for, you know, most of it. They were great for like three months and then Billy won the game the rest of the campaign. So I think I think a lot of people still maybe expected the hangover to, to last. Now, I don't think anybody expected them to get relegated, but for the bottom of the table. But I still kind of think that there was... There wasn't quite as much... There was maybe expectation that Hearts would finish above Kelly because Kelly were getting a new manager, but it was just such an important season for Kelly. Now, it ended up being an important season for Hearts because they got relegated. But you, you know, I think you know what I'm getting at here that mm-hmm. kind of Kelly had a had a real kind of chance to do, to to kind of carry on their good work and to really 
kind of just grow as a club and kind of take it up a level from, from what they're used to uh, doing to, to be like a perennial maybe top six contender instead of a team that sometimes challenges for the top six and sometimes is relegation threatened. Yeah. And they kind of fucked that. Uh, so you could you could argue. I, th- I still think Hearts is the proper answer, but I wouldn't. Yeah. If anybody wanted to say Kelly, I wouldn't argue. I think I think I think the the thing is that the partly because their signings weren't great, but they just did not have the depth last season at all. Um, you know, when you're looking at folk like Harvey Sinclair or Osmond So kind of playing, um, they just. Rory McKenzie's all right, but he's not. He's not brilliant. Um, you know, the, as I say, the goalkeeper situation wasn't great either. They, they just, and I think that's that's where Kelly are naturally going to struggle because of the fact that they're not a, a big city team, um, and that attracting people. You know, they attracted people because it was Clark for for a couple of those seasons, and yeah, they had a lot of the kind of the first eleven still there, but. Clark kind of worked wonders with Brophy pretty much as his, as his only centre forward and it, it, the, you're right, the, the managers that they brought in weren't right um, and, and, and you know, Judy's still out and whether Dyer's the, the right appointment but I, I don't know I, I just don't, I, I don't think that they were ever necessary, I think they, they should have done better than what they did but I, I didn't see them as being a kind of a, a team like Aberdeen where they just consistently finished the best of the rest. I just don't think they've got the. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if the, the things are in place really for for Kelly to do that on a regular basis. But they definitely didn't make mistakes that that made the situation a lot worse. In defence of the Alessio appointment, I think that the it seems that the decision that Kilmarnock took was right. We could either appoint one of the usual suspects, you know, somebody that people would expect us to appoint. Or we could try something a little bit out there, and maybe if we try something out there, that will, you know, continue to wrong foot our opponents, and you know, will help us, you know, really stay at this, you know, next level which we've reached. That sort of, you know, obviously not within the title race, but you know that was European challengers kind of yeah, that that Aberdeen Motherwell sort of level that you have at the moment, and obviously it didn't work at all, and it spectacularly failed. But then I think following that they. They steadied the ship somewhat, and like Andy said, I don't think we can yet say uh, if Dyer's the right man for Kelly. But I don't think it's fair to coin them as a disappointment. And I think you could say the same for Hibbs as well, in that both Hibbs and Kelly had their um, bad parts the season early, and they fixed to a certain extent the issues that they had. Um, so they might not have met the start of season expectations that people or the fans had for their team. But they could, you know, you could still argue that they were vaguely successful. Right, let me just kind of put forward the Hibs if you wanted to argue them over Hearts. It's very hard to do so. But the only you don't thing, have to do this. I think the only thing you could maybe <laughs> say is that because of because of kind of heck and bottoms initial kind of upturning results, that it was kind of expected that Hibs would be better last season. Um, but even then, when the kind of signings were made, and a lot of them were for English lower league clubs like League One, League Two, I think a lot of people were kind of like, eh, "This isn't looking too great." So even then, it's not. It's definitely not Hibs. Um, it's definitely not Hibs. Definitely not Aberdeen. As, as rubbish as they were, uh, it's, just, it's anybody going to vote for Kelly over Hearts? No, no, no. It's Hearts, <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't even have to Check talk about Joel it. on this. We don't even have to talk about it. They got fucking relegated, right? Um, We'll finish off with Discovery of the Year. So we've only got uh, five possibilities for this, and we're basically going to argue whether 
over two of them whether they should count or not. So the, the three that are definitely in are Ali McCann of uh, St. Johnson, Lewis Smith of Hamilton Ackies, and Hickey of Hearts. And the final spot either be Jeremy Fringpong of Celtic or James Scott of Motherwell. So the, the question here is this. Do we include Fringpong, even though he was a Celtic sign-in? But we have, uh, I think we have included signings before, but typically they've been from like lower leagues or, or come from, or in the case of like Edward, for example, come from a higher standard of, than Scottish football, in which we, we definitely count them because they're not a discovery if they've come for a higher standard. But Fringpong obviously wasn't playing for Man City, so I'm not sure whether he should still be allowed in. And James Scott obviously left in January. So do we do we, do we discount him because by the end of the campaign he was no longer a player in the top flight? I am going to argue for Frimpong over Scott. Uh, the reason for that is twofold. I think with Scott, he left in January. So that means I know that the, the season effectively ended at the start of March anyway. So he was still uh, at Motherwell for most of the season. But I think him leaving early... You could argue that just means he really was a discovery because boy, oh boy, was he snapped up quickly. Um, but I think the flip side of that is, you know, yeah, okay, Frimpong signed from Man City, but you know, just because somebody's uh, come from Man City um, from their you know youth uh, department doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to be a success. And I think that I think I'm right in saying that when he was signed by Celtic, he wasn't even necessarily signed to be. Uh, a player for the starting eleven. I think he was signed with a view very much to the future, and he uh, fast tracked himself with his level of performance. And I think the reaction that we all had in, I think it was in the League Cup final, um, to uh, just Frimpong's performance uh, up until he got sent off, uh, is testament to the fact that he was a discovery because this was a player that we all watched and thought, yeah, he's going to be absolutely fantastic for the Scottish game. So for me. It's got to be Frimpong, not that Scott didn't have a great season because he obviously did earning that move that he did. I'd actually, I'd agree with all of that. The fact that he comes from Man City's kind of youth team uh, rather than uh, City himself. He never played at all for City, so that's I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Andy, are you fine with that? Yep. Cool, right. So Frimpong is one of the four nominees, so is this just another easy one? Right, we'll leave it to last. Right, so you made the case for Frimpong. So Lewis Smith is probably Lewis Smith's not going to win this award. He's had a yeah, he, he looked good for Hamilton last season. He had these, he had these moments. In my opinion, nowhere near consistent enough compared to the. Uh, you maybe compare him to Frimpong in that he played more games. Frimpong only featured eighteen times, but the other two guys played over thirty games each and were more consistent than Lewis Smith. So I think it's quite easy to pin him off. Yeah, and but I think we should probably acknowledge that he's one of the long line of Ackes players who emerge at just the right time to to keep them <laughs> keep them just above water. Not for what we've seen so far this season. No, well, no one's emerged this season, but you know he's he's one of many, and yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to do well. But I don't think he he deserves. Well, I just really realised we're recording this a week in advance. He's probably going to score a fucking hat trick at the weekend now. And the <laughs> comes out, like, what were you talking about? What a player. <laughs> Right, uh, so who who gets this? Uh, Ali McCann or Aaron Hickey? Andy, who do you vote for? So, well, I tell you what, you, you talk about Hickey because that's one of the bright spots of the season for Hearts you can actually talk about. So, um, I mean, I think quite a lot, I saw the, the voting uh, under the uh, the tweet. It was pretty much all Ali McCann, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll, I don't know. I'll, I'll do my uh, case for the... 
prosecution, defence, I don't know, which, which just counts as <laughs> to vote for Araneke. <laughs> in, in, in a season where, so you always hear that young players coming into teams that are, uh, you don't want to bring a young player into a team that's struggling. Uh, well, Araneke seemed to play very well in a team that was struggling. He was Harps' uh, second best player across the course of the campaign behind Michael Smith. For somebody his age, uh, 17 years old, uh, he's 18 now, uh, but to the defensive mouse that he has, he's such a solid defender uh, as a left-back for somebody who not only is 17, but also, as Craig Levine revealed quite recently, only started playing the position like six months uh, before he played in the Scottish Cup final. So for kind of all that was going against him, for him to have as strong a season as he did, also including scoring the winning goal at Easter Road and having an assist in another win at Easter Road. Quite, yeah, quite a campaign. He's, he looks like he's going to be sold this summer for upwards of a million pounds, maybe even over a million and a half. Just a, a very talented player, very, very strong breakthrough season. To be honest, though, I did still give us Dali McCann. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you've was, made the case for Hickey and that's all that matters. Yes, to be fair, um, I said at the start, um, players going into a, a struggling team and, and thriving. Uh, uh, Ali McCann done that before December <laughs> when it was only like from December onwards that St Johnson were actually good. And they were very good from December onwards, but they really had a, a painfully slow start to the season. But McCann was great from the kickoff. He was their he might be probably the best player across the course of the campaign, uh, to be honest. And he was, he was certainly their best player up until December. He was the only one that actually seemed to get pass marks on a on a regular basis. And yeah, we've talked about him quite a lot in the show before, so there's not really anything else I want to add in terms of his kind of attributes of that. But yeah, I think he, he would be a deserved winner for this. Agreed. And I think it's a, it's a deserved winner in an incredibly strong uh, field as well. Yep. No, I, I mean I would agree. I think he he kind of appeared fully formed last season, pretty much from the from the get go. Um, and you know, I, 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 as you said, Craig, I don't think there's really it's been said a lot in terms of what he brought to St. Johnson last season. But um, yeah, I think he's he's he, he made a significant such a significant contribution to to their season. I think he kind of deserves the award. I think. So congratulations, Ali McCann. Clap again, guys. Right, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check out the Patreon where we're going to talk about how fucking dreadful that Aberdeen St. Johnson game was. Oh, wait, no, sorry, because that came out last week. So I'm releasing the Patreon. Right, I've just confused <laughs> myself completely. So don't do that. Don't Well, do it, actually. Go back and listen to last week's one. See how much we can last. actually manage to squeeze out of that game. Yeah. <laughs> You'll marvel at us, I promise. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there's loads of other stuff on the big group up of the Patreon uh, in the days prior to this being released on the main show. I got myself a fucking fight call there, <laughs> Jesus. Right. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, see ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.